0: Hey everyone, welcome back to a brand new episode of Show Me The Crypto. This week we had the pleasure of chatting with Corey Whitaker, who is the Executive Director of Ethereum Name Service. The acronym you may be familiar with is ENS. Alf, what did you think
1: about our conversation with Corey? It was awesome. Having Corey on and being able to speak to someone about ENS domains. I mean, we've been a user, we've had the crypto.eth for a long time now. But to actually get someone on to dig into the technology, especially some of the recent uh, upgrades, there was a V3 release that was in the works for a number of years. And there's some really cool features that came out and are part of the technology that... I didn't know about you might not know about so i think there's some great information here in this episode
0: yeah this is a quicker conversation than some of our previous episodes but with that said we covered a ton of ground in this 30 minute episode we talk about corey's background we dive into what ens is is it just a dot eth address or is it more corey explains and as alf mentioned some of the latest v3 upgrades we think you're gonna love this episode Show me the crypto.
1: Show me the crypto! Show me the crypto! In a world on the brink of disruption, two men will bring you clarity by interviewing some of the most intelligent and influential names in the blockchain world. Welcome to Show Me the Crypto with your hosts, Wade
0: Patterson and Ulf Lonegren. Well, hi there, and welcome to Show Me The Crypto. My name is Wade Patterson. And I'm Al Flanagan. We're a couple of friends from Canada who love learning about cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology, and we're happy you're along for the ride. Whether you're a crypto virgin or you know your way around the block, we hope our interviews with some of the most intelligent and influential people in the blockchain space help deliver you with value. And on this episode, we're joined by Corey Whitaker, Executive Director of ENS. Hailing from Jamaica, Corey is a corporate governance expert with 20 years of experience in executive management. In late 2017, Corey discovered Ethereum and eventually joined ENS in May 2022. Earlier this year, Corey published an opinion article in which he wrote, people are waking up to the fact that they don't own the profiles they have created for themselves online, and it's creating a digital identity crisis. Ethereum name service, which maps human readable names and masks, complex hexadecimal Ethereum addresses aims to help users reclaim their digital sovereignty. Corey, welcome to Show Me the Crypto.
2: Hey, Wade, off. thank you so much. Pleasure to be here with you too.
0: Yeah, we're really excited about this conversation. And before we get into the crypto side of things, I'm curious about your pre-crypto background because my understanding is it occurred at the intersection of business and education. What can you tell us about what you were doing before Web3?
2: Yep, sure, sure. So a- after college, I-, I went into the education space and joined Teach for America, um, and and taught fifth grade in Long Beach Unified for for a couple years, and then started working for um, ed tech related uh, startups and and, and organizations, um, and then uh, more recently, I ran a network of public charter schools here in the in the states for for eight or eight or nine years, so. Yeah, that's, that's what I've been, been doing with most of my time working in the, the K through 12 space and in the higher education space, um, supporting, supporting institutions, running schools, you name it.
1: Now, on your Twitter profile, it says two things. One, you're the executive director of ENS. And the second is that you're the director of Central Florida Urban League. So what can you tell us about Central Florida Urban League and that organization?
2: Oh, cool. Thanks so much for asking. How many people uh, uh, ask about that? Um, So I'm on the board of directors of Central Florida Urban League, and it is uh, one of the historic um, civil rights organizations here in the U.S. And our goal in Central Florida is to help um, the community with uh, education and and empowerment um, and entrepreneurship. So we provide opportunities for the community to learn um, everything from new skills um, to help them start businesses, um, and to help uh, local schools support their students and and families uh, better. So it's a community service organization based in in central Florida.
1: Nice. All right, we'll we'll switch it over into crypto a bit here. what What is your your crypto career? Like how would you paint, how you got into it? How did you find crypto? and then, yep. and then how did that lead to your position as executive director of ENS?
2: Yes, yes. So um, I I tell people that I was uh, an early adopter in the digital currency space. Some of you may remember e-gold,
1: mm-hmm. um,
2: e-palladium from the earth early, early two thousand. So that's kind of, I, I dipped my toe in the waters um, at that point. Yeah, that's going way back. <laughs> yeah,
1: that, that's yeah, OG, yeah. OG status.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then when, when, because of my experience then, when Bitcoin came up on the scene, I was skeptical right? Ethereum came on the scene, still a little bit skeptical, but very interested in the smart contract um, aspect of, of Ethereum. And um, I was running schools at the time. So I started playing around with um, building a blockchain-based student information system, because I just saw the potential of, of smart contracts, verifiable credentials, attestations, and all the, the magical things you can do, really, uh, with, a, with a smart contract that distributed um, around the world, and um, so that really got me interested in the tech. And then I started to do some DJing activities that I, I wouldn't <laughs> recommend, wouldn't recommend at all, um, uh, for for a couple of years. When I was finishing up my time uh, running schools, I decided I wanted to get into tech and into Web three um, full time because i had always been an early adopter, always interested in technology. But you know, my career sort of went to. Um, the sort of educational entrepreneurship um, space. So I found my way to Circle uh, USDC and uh, ran a project in the talent organization uh, there. And uh, in early 2022, I saw that Nick was looking for a, uh, a executive director. So Nick Johnson, our founder, looking for an executive director for ENS. So I reached out and one thing led to another and here I am about a year year and a month later. Why were you- And I got my my, my okay. corey.eth, um, in 2021, I think, um, before the DAO was created and all that. So nice. (laughs) Yeah. Why were you skeptical about Bitcoin
0: in the, the beginning? Like you mentioned, like you were a fan of Eagle, Bitcoin came out, you were skeptical. Why?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Just, um, I I think part of it, the, the narrative that, that was happening and I wasn't part of a community yet. Right. So that's one of the, the important things about our space here being embedded in a in a good community that can give you good information um and good influences. So I, I was sort of um outside of a community at that time and then looking in and you're hearing all the, the aspects of what's happening with Bitcoin in terms of illicit transfers of, of funds and um and then also it was just complicated um to to use and plus years ago. Um, you know, for, for those of you who, who were around back back then. And um I was very busy and yeah, <laughs> so I, I, I didn't have uh, the, you know, the, the patience to, to, to learn everything at that time. But yeah, because of my experience with with Eagle, I was like, OK, is this just another um, fad happening? Um, yeah. So that's where some of the skepticism came from.
0: How do you think your background in, in education, what you're talking about, all, everything pre-crypto, how has that benefited you in the Web3 space?
2: Yeah. And it's it's really um, tainted, positively tainted by my view of what's happening in our space for the need to have better education around what we're doing here. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's also given me a mindset that we have to be much more consumer, customer, individual focused in our space. So last year at DevCon in in Bogota, I I attended a a great session by a product designer um, in our space. And she was talking about the need for us to start with the end user first, then build, right? So we're really thinking about UI user experience and what we're trying to achieve and accomplish with a particular program, um, app, you name it, and then build a contract. Because what's happening right now is we're, we're building these really cool, technically complex um, pieces of of, of of technology. And then we're trying to slap on a, a, a UI, right? We have to really have to reverse uh, reverse that, and then educate people on how to use it properly, right? So I I think of my approach as sort of um, an educational approach. This is the technology. This is how you use it. This is how it helps make your life better.
1: And on the subject of complex technology, I'm sure there's a lot of complex technology behind ENS. Um, but for someone who uh, you know, we've kind of been talking about it as because we all know uh, what it is, but for someone who's never heard of ENS, how would you go about describing, you know, just what it is?
2: Sure, sure. So it's your it's your digital identity. It's your identity on the web that you own, that you possess, that you control. So with the advent of, of social media. Um, what you found is tons of people flocking to social media sites, Facebook, Twitter. You remember MySpace and Friendster back in the day, you set up your profile, you engage with your friends, you post it to other content. Um, and you realize that, Hey, all this work that you've done on one particular platform, you can't move to other platforms and they can shut you down. And you ultimately don't have control, um, over your identity. Um, And so what what ENS does is actually give you control over a digital identity that's used in in Web3. So that's one of the the, the major use cases now. It's your name on the web. For our crypto folks um, in the audience is when people get into crypto, they're handling, juggling these long addresses. Your Bitcoin address, Ethereum address, header is pretty short, right? So kudos to Hedera. (laughs) (laughs) Or, Or the shorter addresses. But, but typically, they're long, complex, unwieldy, um, hard, hard to handle. And heaven knows how many mistakes have been made in trying to exchange value, send tokens or et cetera, back and forth and copying, and pasting the wrong address, um, missing a digit here or there. And due to the nature of the technology, that money is lost. That value is lost. Those coins are, are lost. But by using a human readable name, right, instead of that lengthy address, you just use Right, your your name.eth. And then you can send an exchange value using your name.eth versus those long addresses. It just makes for a simpler, safer, and more secure way um to, to, to use web three. So replacing those those lengthy addresses with a human readable name, Wade.eth, off.eth.
0: And so that's I think what most people think of when they hear ENS is those those dot ETH addresses. Um and as that's you right. mentioned, you know, we we tried to secure we've got show me the crypto dot eth. I think I have wade yeah. patterson.eth. Um but beyond that, is there is there more to it as well? Like because I understand that um, even like traditional domains can utilize there. .eth addresses and that kind of thing. There, like, there. like what else is behind ENS as, as well?
2: Yes, yes. So the the main ENS name that everyone knows is appended with .eth, right? That's the, the top level domain, the, the TLD. What we've created is a way to import your DNS into the ENS system. Okay. So if you have a .com, if you have a .xyz, um, you are able to use that as an ENS name, and when you go into the app, you're you're able to change a few settings. Um, we can make it a little bit easier, and, and we're working on that, on um, make it a little bit easier and cheaper, actually, to um, to to do that. That um, new feature should be coming out in the next next couple months. Um, so if you do have wade.com, you can import that into DDS. and just like you use your ENS name to um, send. Um, value to your Ethereum address, your Ripple address, your Bitcoin address, you can use your .com the same way. Mm. So I think that's one of the the things that people don't realize that we're able to do, but we're
1: able to supercharge your traditional DNS name as well. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't know that. Is that um, for, like if you, What's the process like if you wanted to go and explore that side of ENS? To like, can you do that? If does it matter where your existing domain is registered? Is that something where you got to transfer it, or do you just point it at you know something related to ENS? Yeah, there
2: there are a couple permissions that you have to change um, in the DNS section of of the um, of, of the DNS profile. Mm-hmm. A, few, a few things that you need to change to make it compatible um, and readable on the 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 ENS platform. Hmm. And and we have docs that describe that on the on the
1: main site. Have you seen many uh users taking advantage of that? Or is that something that's still maybe relatively unknown? There are a
2: handful of super users, right? So a handful <laughs> yeah, of people yeah. that have gone gone crazy uh using their their DNS names. Um, one of them is my colleague Luke. So Luke.eat he also has luke.computer. Um, that he used to use uh, quite
1: often. Cool.
0: And then I understand that there were some some V three or a V three upgrade, as well as an integration with MoonPay recently or somewhat recently that happened. What can you tell us about that?
2: Yes, yes. So we've been working on uh, version three for a couple years now, and uh, finally got it all across the finish line um, and and published in in, in April. We wanted to make sure that it was um, really well done, stay secure. We audited it tons of times. <laughs> and that's what, what caused some of the delays, you know, just really wanting to make sure that we got all as many of the bugs out as, as we could. But if you purchased your, your name prior, it might have been a little bit clunky, might have been a little bit unintuitive and, and not that great a user experience. But what you find out with the app that it's, it's actually beautiful. I, I can use that word. It's a, it's a much more beautiful experience. Um, registering a name, describing what's happening when you're registering the name, setting the number of years uh, that you want it registered for, pointing it to a particular um, address. Just the, the flow is much more seamless. Um, and I, I think much more of a joy to use. And our, our designer, um, Dom, Domico.e, um, who started with us, Dom Perry, last year, um, has been leading the effort in, in design. So just the, the app is, is much better now. Um, the, the main part of version three is this function called we call the name wrapper. Hmm. And all it is, is it gives you in organizations, um, companies the ability to hand out subdomains, read them, sell them, change permissions on them, and um, we think that it's going to be one of the ways where um, ENS names are going to proliferate uh, significantly via the use of subdomains. And uh, one of our colleagues in the, in the DAO is named Slovo.eth is running an organization called Namestone, uh, which makes it easy to, um, to create subdomains.
1: Is there any limits or like what are the main use cases you see in the future for this subdomain feature? Okay? Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so it ranges for, for in
1: my mind from like the very
2: um, practical to, um, to to fun. So let's talk about a practical aspect. So you're, you're running a finance department in, in a crypto company. You have a CFO, um, uh, VP of finance you have a couple controllers accountants uh maybe maybe a, a payroll and ap clerk you can assign each of those persons a different subdomain hmm. right so payroll um dot show me the crypto um, ap dot show me the crypto and you can assign specific permissions to each of those subdomains hmm. so if they're going in and you think about approving payments and approving contracts right um you can shuttle certain uh, approval pathways mm. um, and CFO approves some things, your controller approves some things. So lab- labeling um, in a finance organization is one technical thing that came to mind that I think people can use. On the more fun side, um, think of, let's say, uh, fan clubs, <laughs> right? Uh, so, so think of a, uh, an athlete or a musician. They can create user.eth create fan clubs, Uh, either sell them or give them to their, to their biggest fans. Mm. And people can sort of, um, you know, uh, sort of display their, their, their names on their Twitter handles or or elsewhere, um, their affinity towards a a given um, person. If you think of sports teams also, um, I think another great use case is for season ticket holders, you know, who are fanatics about about, uh, a given team. Um, and if they happen to be crypto it's wanted to use their their subdomain uh, as well.
1: And does I'm just curious with the subdomains. Does like let's say I I want to create a bunch of subdomains and give them out to to friends or family. I don't know if that's a real mm-hmm. use case, but let's just say for <laughs> mm-hmm. the sake of argument here. Is there uh, additional cost or anything? Um, to create subdomains to handle them, or is it like it, is the only cost the initial ownership of the of the sort of main domain and the subdomains? The name, yeah, yeah.
2: <clears throat> yeah. So the the main cost is with, with the uh, initial name. Okay. So the off uh, dot need. Um, There there may be some gas depending on what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, with the subdomains, depending on the kind of permissions you want to 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 give out. But the main cost is is with the main domain.
1: Cool. That's an interesting feature. Yeah. I could see that being used lots of ways, like you mentioned. And even even if it was say like a new DAP or something, some a wallet could come out and uh by joining and utilizing the wallet, you get a subdomain that's like the uh-huh. that wallet.eth or something. Who that's that's right. That's right.
2: So you, you may remember uh, Coinbase launching their their ENS name last fall, cB.id hmm. um, Each user, that's a subdomain. That's an ENS subdomain. So oh, okay. um, off.cv.id. So they, they use uh, the subdomain functionality um, even before we lost the name wrapper. So. Interesting. Cool. Interesting.
0: Cool. One thing I'm curious about, Corey, is so Vitalik has talked a little bit about you know, the future of Ethereum, some of the challenges coming up, he he dropped a couple blog posts in the last few months. Um, one was called, I believe, the three transitions. And he talked about one of the challenges is that, you know, right now, a lot of people, they maybe have one wallet where they do everything, or, or maybe they have a couple, but he talked about the future being many people or people having many wallets over multiple layer twos and and all of that sort of thing and the challenges that come with that. And he did point to ENS as as a potential solution, but he also said there could be some challenges with that as well. For example, a single name almost holding too much or too many inform too much uh too many connections, too much information, that type of thing. What are your thoughts just on the future of like where Ethereum's going and how ENS's role in ensuring that you know if if the dynamic changes and people now have hundreds of wallets, how will that fit into ENS's vision?
2: Yes, yes. So a, a couple a couple things come to mind with with the current um, ENS implementation, you can add several wallet addresses to your um, to your name. Hmm. Whether that's Ethereum, Bitcoin, Ripple, um, Litecoin, etc., et <clears throat> um, and I, I think in the in the future, yes, you can. You, there's possibly a future where people have several wallet addresses. I'm sure you guys have several addresses. Yeah. Um, I have several. That's going to be difficult difficult to manage. Hmm. Um, I think so. I do think that there's a, a possibility to to create a um, a program on sort of wallet, wallet management. Um, also, that's another um, topic here. Wallet, is that the right term? Right. For, mm. for what we're talking about here, you know. Um, and I think that the future of, of Ethereum, you, you, you want to look at developer activity, right? And there are tons of folks continuing to develop on Ethereum. Conferences happening around the world um, constantly every, every month. Um, hackathons happening and people are continuing to build, um, on, on that L1. But there are some challenges with L1 that, um, that Vitalik has brought up. And so you started to see the proliferation of, of L2s to try and deal with speed, to try and deal with cost. So I think you'll continue to see innovation, um, in the space just because there's so much interest, um, and, and so much, so much activity. My concern is that we don't get too complex. A lot of our conversation right now, is just super catered to our little bubble here and our little world. Um, but for for mass uh, adoption, um, the rest of the world really isn't going to care about the things that we may care about. You know, the the bells and whistles and features of a given contract, of a given L1 or, or L2. What they're going to care about is logging into a a particular website easily, which you should be able to do with signing with Ethereum and and ENS names. They're going to care about having a seamless user experience. They don't want to um, do five, six, seven clicks to accomplish a simple task in Web2, which would only take one or or two clicks. So while the ecosystem continues to um, develop, we really have to be careful that we start with the end in mind
1: and think about the user and what do they need. On that note, like some of what I think going back to some of Wade's question almost touches on privacy. And and this also goes back to what you mentioned at the beginning that ENS is you know it's digital identity. um, And maybe wallets aren't you know the right type of words to be using when we're uh you know talking about ENS. So mm-hmm. I'm wondering though with privacy when a user is using an ENS they're usually using it to then you know share and give out mm-hmm. this is my identity this is my ENS domain. Um what about for those, like we're also talking about wallets and finances and mm-hmm. not everybody wants everyone to have eyes on all their transactions. So how does ENS yes. play into that side of it? Or is there a bit of a separation? And maybe that's an area ENS does isn't trying to cater to as much.
2: Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I, know, I know several people, um, several high profile people that um, don't really want all their NFTs displayed you know, like like some of us um, don't really want the transactions as as visible because you know the blockchain is is, is completely open. Um, I do know that some people are working on a privacy layer, um, and and talking about a privacy layer for Ethereum for ENS names as well. So that that is something that's being talked about, giving people the option, right, of um, privacy for um, certain uses of their. Um, of, of their domain
0: so corey switching gears here um one last question uh, and then we're going to kind of get into the, the final section of every interview we ask every interview guest on show me the crypto the same three questions so we're going to hit you with those in a second but before we do that i have to ask we've had unstoppable or representative from unstoppable domains on in the past and if, if there's any kind of not criticism but challenge i guess to ens from their perspective is that, you know, when you buy an unstoppable domain, you kind of own that forever versus the ENS model of you you own it, but it's for several years or however that length of time you choose.
2: Mm-hmm. What,
0: what is your response to maybe people who say that that's more of kind of like a Web 2 version of how things were done, the renting yeah. of it? What are your thoughts?
2: Yeah, so the, the, the renting aspect um, un- understood there one of the things we were trying to to make sure that we guarded against was uh, was was squatting um on on domains and also um giving other people the opportunity to to purchase a domain that that they may that they may like you know so um you have a, a system that's just sort of locked locked down forever if you will and then a system that provides opportunities uh when domains expire for people to be able to 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 purchase them so um, it just it just allows for uh, I think a little bit more flexibility. Awesome. Well, Corey, as I mentioned before,
0: this has been a great conversation. We're gonna have to get you back on for a part yes. two because there's yes, a ton yes. of things we wanna ask you. But oh, before man. we let you go, yeah. before we let yeah. you go, we really want to ask you the same three questions. There's a little segment we call You Had Me at Crypto. Ulf is gonna ask you
1: these rapid fire questions. All right, Corey, go you right. ready? Let's do it. Okay, first question. Who is your favorite person to follow in the crypto space? Oh, my goodness. So they are hilarious people. Really, really hilarious people
2: um, out there. Let me throw his name out. Gabriel Haynes is hilarious.
0: <laughs> I'm not familiar with I'm Gabriel. Either, I got to check but, Check uh, out Gabriel. There are lots right. of them. So
1: <laughs> Yep, yep, yep. Love All it. right. Second question. What will the price of Bitcoin be 10 years from now?
2: 10 years from now. Let's say... Let's be optimistic here and throughout. 100,000. Not financial
0: All
1: right. advice. All right. <laughs> Not financial All right. advice. That, that's right
0: around the average. That's a bear foolish. market average guess
1: that yeah. we get. Yeah. So I okay. like it. I like it. Okay. All right. Third question. What is the most underrated project in crypto?
2: Underrated. Underrated project in crypto. Shit. It, it. Interesting. Um, I'm, I'm going to have to say even though tons of people use this, stable coins, huh? Mm -hmm. Stable coins. I I think if we're thinking about wide adoption, right, the pathway there, um, is through something that's simple, that's understandable, um, by the masses. Everyone understands a unit, like a dollar unit. Mm -hmm. And if we can get to the place where we get, um, governments to, um, allow for, um, better policy and regulatory environment. Um, I think stable coins are the way to help us get maps adoption because hmm. um, what's more likely someone buying an NFT or someone using a digital dollar hmm. yeah, so, as a yeah. first step. Mm-hmm. Right. That just came to mind, but thanks for the question guys. Yeah, no Cheers. worries, Corey.
0: Thank you no. so much. You have a, a real talent at being able to take these kind of complex ideas and, and make it really easy to understand. So, thank you so much for joining Alf and I on this
2: episode of Show Me the Crypto. All right, thank you. Pleasure to be here.
1: Thank you for listening to Show Me the Crypto. Please make sure to subscribe as well as rate and review this podcast.